We are in paragraph 14 of the London Baptist Confession, looking at the topic of saving faith. Over the last couple weeks, we've seen that the saving faith is the faith which, by the empowerment of the Spirit of God, we turn to Christ and trust Him for salvation. I think it was... uh, I think it was Grudem in talking about saving faith. We need to be careful not to separate repentance and faith. That it's a one, it's a it's a working together all at one time. We don't repent and then have faith, and we don't have faith and then repent. It's a we're turning and repenting to trust Christ all at once. And we we talk about faith, and there's a a saving faith that is. What saves us and is at the point of, of regeneration, but then there's a faith that continues. And we've seen a little bit of that on last week, how that it grows, but tonight, look at paragraph 3 on the screen or on your paper in front of you. This faith, although it be in different stages and may be weak or strong, yet it is in the least degree of it different in the kind or nature of it, as is all other saving grace from the faith and common grace of temporary believers. And therefore, though it may be many times assailed and weakened, yet it gets the victory, growing up in many to the attainment of full assurance through Christ, who is both the author and finisher of our faith. I don't know about you, but the first time I read that paragraph... There was a, a phrase that stood out to me that just kind of, what? Did it stand out to you? Temporary believer. Does it cause you to say, what are they saying? And what this paragraph is trying to help us to point out is that there are two kinds of faith or two natures of faith. There's a saving faith and there's a counterfeit faith. And as we walk this earth, sometimes it may appear that someone has saving faith. And we know that we cannot lose our salvation. But then that person does not continue to show that faith. And the confession addresses this topic that we would understand. Notice at the beginning of the paragraph... It recognizes that the faith has different stages, weak or strong, but there's the nature of it that is different. There's no in-between. There is saving faith or counterfeit faith. There is nothing in between. The nature of saving faith, it may be weak at times. Like in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, when Jesus says, now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of what? Little faith. Notice he's recognizing that their faith is little, but it is still existent. Jesus rebuked his disciples many times for having little faith to cast out the demons. For they were not walking in obedience with him. Though it be weak faith or whether it be a strong faith, as Romans chapter 4, 19 and 20, Paul writes, and this is 
you have to kind of jump into this thought. He says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. It's a light switch. Faith, we have saving faith or we don't. The light is either on or it's off. But if you want to take that illustration, it can grow. It can get brighter. And this is what Abraham had. He had this strong faith. It was not a weak faith. But both a weak faith and a strong faith are both of saving faith. It is in this category of saving faith. It is a faith that, as the confession states, clearly just a restatement of Matthew 24, 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. It will, in the end, show itself to be true. It grows up at the second half of that paragraph. It grow, Growing up in many to the attainment of full assurance through Christ who is both the author and finisher of our faith. It grows and it grows. But again, this is in the category of saving faith. There's weak saving faith and strong saving faith. It finds victory over sin through Christ, though it is assailed and weakened, it is victorious. That's why we understand as believers in that work of God to grow us, there's battle and sin. But just because we battle sin doesn't mean we don't have saving faith? Absolutely not. Do we need to maybe test ourselves if we never find victory over sin? Absolutely. Then we need to go back to the foundation and say, has my heart really been changed? Am I a believer battling sin or am I an unbeliever who is lost in sin? But again, the paragraph in the confessions drawing this distinction, there is a saving faith. But in the end, it will endure. Sometimes weak, sometimes strong. But on the other nature or kind of faith is the counterfeit faith. It may show some signs, and that's where I think they use that phrase, temporary believers. The confession says, from the faith and common grace of temporary believers. Who can we think of scripturally? A picture of temporary faith? Judas. He, he had a lot of the outward signs of saving faith. He looked like he did the works of, a, of an apostle. He followed Christ and he even preached the message of salvation. And yet, he did not lose his salvation. The truth was, he was never saved in the first place. It doesn't endure to the end. In John chapter 2, it says, When Jesus was in Jerusalem, when he or Jesus was in Jerusalem at Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But notice, but he did not commit himself to them. Wait, these are people who believed. But what we understand is there's a difference between a mental assent and saving faith. Saving 
Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8, verse 13, it says, Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized and continued with Philip, was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which are done. But then a few verses later, he's trying to do it for his own gain. He wants to do the miracles. But he was baptized. He believed. And he was even amazed. And these are the things which can sometimes cause us to really battle and say, Lord, where is this person at in their life? Where am I at in my life? Is there true saving faith? Earlier in chapter 10 in the Confession, when it was speaking about the work of the Spirit, it says some may have common operations of the Spirit, yet not being effectually drawn by the Father, they neither will nor can truly come to Christ and therefore cannot be saved. We're, we're not trying to muddy waters here. We're actually trying to bring a distinction to help understand. As more than likely, all of us can think of somebody who has claimed the name of Christ and is no longer. How do we reconcile these things? We saw these things that from an outward perspective looked like saving faith. But as Matthew 24 says, Jesus said, if we don't endure to the end, we're not saved. It's not enduring. I don't, it's not a, I endure to the end, therefore I get saved. It's because I am saved, I endure to the end. When we think about the parable of the soils, it helps us remember The soils fell upon the path. They were trampled underfoot and they were carried away by the birds of the air. That person's not a picture of the unsaved. The second is the the seed that fell upon the rock. It grew up and it withered away because there was no moisture. That's not the picture of somebody who grows up and loses their salvation. It's a picture of a person who shows some type of outward fruit, but it was not true lasting fruit. They were not saved in the first place. Or the third soil that grew up among the thorns, the the seed grew up among the thorns and it was choked out by the cares of the world. It was not saved. But it was that fourth one that grows and produces different levels of fruit, but it produced fruit. It's the picture of saving faith. Again, in our humanity, in our finite mind we do not know the spirit of man for us sometimes to discern whether maybe this person's just battling sin right now but they have saving faith or on the other side they're battling sin because maybe we thought we saw fruit but it was not the true saving fruit faith you know what i mean But to discern between those is very difficult, and we must be careful never to be, as James 4, judge not, meaning put ourselves in the place of God to determine salvation, yes or no. But it doesn't leave us from the perspective of saying, where is this fruit? Is this a lasting fruit here? Hey, I I know you claimed Christ, but the picture of your life is walking in consistent, unregenerate sin. The picture of unbeliever. What's going on in your life? I appreciated Sam Waldron's uh, section on this, and 
I just want to share three qualities of faith, and, and you'll hear kind of some things we've already talked about, but the way he puts these, I appreciate it. Number one, the qualities of saving faith. Number one, a supreme attachment to Christ. It's not just a shallow conviction or a verbal assent, but there is a supreme that he is our Lord. Secondly, he uses the phrase universal holiness. And what he means by that is that there's a picture throughout all of our life that that there's a submission to obey Christ. There's not a willing rejection to not walk in his ways when we know the truth. And then the third one, persevering fruitfulness. To continue to produce fruit all throughout life. As we consider true saving faith, though there may be times when we struggle with assurance because of the the attacks of our enemy, true saving faith should have assurance because true assurance in our salvation is not, I think when we're often lacking assurance, it's we can be holding out and trying to think, am I sincere enough? Am I holding to Christ enough? But when we understand that it is not I that clings to Christ, but it's he that clings to me, it brings great assurance. And that's what we talk about saving faith. It's trusting Christ to save us, not for us to save ourselves. For he is the way, the truth, and the life that no one comes to the Father except through him. But there's the point of salvation that we see faith and faith continues. Just like repentance happens at the point of conversion, but it continues. But that great hope in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one who is the author of our faith and the finisher of our faith. That it's not up to our strength, but praise be to him that he is the one who is able. Do we trust him for our salvation or do we trust our own strength? We fail. We will never attain salvation in our own strength. Our only hope is to put our trust in Christ for salvation. And how do we know? We can see the fruit in our lives. There may be small fruit, but by God's grace, we continue to say, Lord, help me produce better fruit for your glory. Let's pray. Father, we touch these little topics, but they are huge in ramifications, huge in implications in our lives. And Lord, tonight as we considered saving faith, I pray that you would produce that in each of our lives. That there would be in our lives a turning from sin and trusting Christ for our salvation. And Lord, may you show the the fruit of our lives. Help us to not be self-deceiving if we are not saved, but yet know the good motions to go through. Help us not to put our our trust in some 
phrase or even having written down a date in our Bible, but to look and to continue to ask that you would produce the the fruit of saving faith in our lives. Lord, that you would call each one of us, that we would be your children, and that we would be found faithful, giving praise to you as we grow in our faith. Lord, help us to grow more and more each day in Christ's name. Amen.